0: I have a story to share with you today. It's a story of two muggers who essentially rob the same type of person. Uh, This person that they rob both have the same amount of money, the same clothes on the same jewelry, they're completely identical in every way, shape and form. Except one mugger makes a 100 bucks. And the other mugger makes 300 bucks. What's the difference between these two people? The difference is their thinking, and how one is a linear thinker and one is an exponential thinker. So in this episode, we're going to talk about that. How can you become an exponential thinker? And also, how did this mugger make three times more than the other mugger from the same person with the same resources? You're going to have the answers to all of this by the end of this episode. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Money, Love and Freedom podcast, where you'll develop the mindset and skills to create a life of total abundance from business and health to wealth and love. Discover what it takes to live a life of freedom on your terms. And now your host, Coach George Wang. What's up, Freedom Fighters? Welcome to another episode of the Money, Love, and Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Coach George Wang, helping you to sell more, serve more, and live better. And today, let's talk about something or the difference between linear thinking versus exponential thinking. And the way I'm going to start this off is I'm going to start this off with a story of two muggers. These two different muggers both live on the same block. There's a liquor store on the block, a laundromat, and a pawn shop. Very, very, they're literally identical block. They live on the same block. And both of these muggers need cash. Cash for what? I'm not sure. Let's not go into it. Maybe they owe somebody money and this person's really bad and dangerous. I don't know. But let's assume that both of these muggers need cash. So the first mugger sees a man walking down the street. And he sees this man walking down the street. And this man, this mugger, decides to rob him. And he digs through all this stuff and he finds that there's a hundred dollars in his wallet. And he thinks, I need cash. Here's a hundred dollars. Perfect. Grab the hundred dollars pretty good score considering the whole interaction took him a total of maybe two minutes to get the $100. So good score for him. Good job. I mean, I'm not really condoning mugging. But let's let's consider we are we are for a second, right? Good job, you got 100 bucks. Now let's take mugger number two. Sees basically the identical man walking across the street, same clothes, same accessories, same everything this mugger decides to rob him also. Then he finds that same $100 in his wallet. And of course, he takes it. But he also sees a watch. And he's like, I'm not sure what this watch is worth, but I'll take this too. It's not money. It's not cash. He needs cash. But he decides to take the watch anyway. And then what does this mugger do? So he has the 100 bucks. Then the next day, this mugger sees the same person, that same man he just robbed on the street. And he stops him because he realizes the watch is worth something. And he makes the man an offer. He says, sir, I know I took your watch yesterday. It seems like a very nice watch, and I'm sure you want it back. I will sell it to you back for $100. And the man agrees. He said, you're right. The watch the family heirloom. And the man gives the mugger $100. For his watch back, and the mugger doesn't give him a watch, he gives him a pawn ticket. Because before this mugger went down the street to find him again to sell this man back his watch, he first pawned the watch for a hundred dollars and he sold the ticket to the man for a hundred dollars, so now he's made three hundred dollars. The $100 he stole from this cash out of his wallet, the $100 that he got on loan from the pawn shop for the watch, and then the $100 that he just made selling the pawn ticket to the original owner of the watch. So what's the difference between these two muggers? One is thinking linearly, and then the other is thinking exponentially, They both used the same amount of time. I mean, the pawn shop was on their block, so they both had easy access to it. But the first mugger thought, I need cash. He mugs someone, sees money, grabs it. Objective solved. The second mugger is thinking exponentially. He mugs the man, he sees the money, and of course takes it. But he also sees opportunity. He sees a watch, unsure of the value, but he sees the watch and thinks it might be worth something, so he grabs it. First, he thinks about just selling the watch. Maybe he'll sell it on eBay or sell it somewhere else. Who knows? But then he thinks maybe it actually means something to the original owner, so he considers selling it back to him. Then he thinks of one more opportunity with the same watch. He thinks, what if I pawn this watch for a loan, then sell the loan ticket to the original man and have the original man, the original owner pay back the loan to the pawnbroker. So instead of earning just a hundred dollars, mugger number two makes $300, three times what the other mugger made. Could you imagine making three times whatever you're making right now in the same amount of time with the same resources? The differences between these two types of thought. Here's how linear thinking goes. Linear thinking is in a straight line, right? It likes the standard approach that we've always been told, right? You know, you get a job, save some money, save some money for retirement, keep working hard at your job, take that money, bank it, just rinse and repeat linear thinking takes a very straightforward approach to career advancement, right? They can advance in their career, but they go upwards in a straight line, just level by level. And if you start at the very bottom, and the top level is like 30 levels up, and it takes like five years to move one level, you're probably never going to make it to the top. But you can make somewhere make it to somewhere decently in the middle. And there's nothing wrong with this approach. You can have a nice, steady linear life straight up. Here's how exponential thinking is different. Exponential thinking is very much not linear. It's all about leverage. It isn't about saving our time saving our money. It's about how do I leverage my time? How do I leverage my money? Here's Webster Dictionary's definition of leverage, and I'm going to give you all three. Uh, First definition is the action of a lever or mechanical advantage gained by it. So that's like when you're using a crowbar to, to tear open a box or something like that. Second definition is power or effectiveness. This is the one we're focusing on. And the third definition is the use of credit to enhance one's speculative capacity. So that's basically when you take out a mortgage on your home. This second definition, power or effectiveness. What this means for you is your own personal power, not necessarily your power over other people, but your own personal power, your own personal effectiveness, how you can leverage your time, leverage your money, your experience, your knowledge to create personal power and personal effectiveness. Exponential thinkers don't usually do the things that they could do but they know that somebody else could do quicker and faster. They pay someone else to do it so that they can focus on their higher producing items. Like, for instance, I um, got a 78-inch TV that I want, wanted to mount on above our fireplace. And honestly, like, I looked at the directions to mount, and because we were drilling into brick and concrete, I had to buy some extra tools Uh, And I think the process would have taken me two hours, two and a half hours, maybe three. I'm not really sure. Um, And, you know, I built for my time at a pretty good rate. And that would have been three hours that I have to take away from my life. But instead, I hired a TV guy. There's a company out here that does nothing but mount TVs, cost me 150 bucks, which, by the way, is less than an hour of my time right now. It's about a little less than an hour of my time. So it would have taken me three hours. I got done with less than one hour payment of my own time. And this guy did it in literally 20 minutes. He came in and he was out like lightning quick. And I was like, wow, this guy also leverages his time and experience because he's he's learned how to do this so well. He can do it so fast that he can now charge me $150 for about 15 minutes of work. And it was great. We we're both very, very happy with the exchange. So exponential thinkers usually pay someone else to do the things that somebody else could do better and then focus on their higher producing items They, you know, they hire housekeepers, house cleaners, contractors, etc. People to hang up the TV for you. Exponential thinkers also think of one opportunity And think, wonder, like, how can this one opportunity become two, three, four, or five opportunities? Like, grandma asks a kid, what do you want for Christmas? And he says, I want a bike. And this kid gets a bike. you ever have a bike? Did you ride it every day? Probably not. Could you have rented it out on your off days? Probably yes. That's leverage. One opportunity was the bike as a gift. Opportunity number two is rent it out. Ever sell lemonade? Ever open up a lemonade stand? You've got to stand there all day selling lemonade. I, I used to see this uh, cutest little girl ever used to sell lemonade on the corner of our previous home. And she sold lemonade and she was out there all the time. I to love to stop by. I would drive by, stop by, buy a cup of lemonade for 50 cents. Be very happy. If you open up a lemonade stand could you have also sold other things there too, like chips? Because I have something to drink now, it might be nice to snack on some chips. The stand's already made, you're standing there anyway. You can leverage that time you're standing there by offering a second opportunity to bystanders like myself. See, exponential thinkers don't always take the linear path. They think how Can I take what I'm already doing, the time, energy, resources I already have to use, and create two, three, four, five opportunities out of it? Even if somebody's in a working world that has a job, for instance, they don't take a linear path in their career either. They think, how can I make a big leap? There's a story of a man named Richard Montanez who worked for Frito-Lays, which is also owned by PepsiCo, uh, you know, the company, Pepsi. And he's been there for over 40 years. Now, full disclosure, this story's been circulating for over 20 years, and it's the story of how the Flaming Cheetos flavor, the brand came to pass. Now, I'm not exactly sure why because this story has been circulating for well over 20 years in mainstream media all over the place. And for some reason in the year 2021, after 20 years, PepsiCo is starting to deny uh, how the how the story goes, at least the part about the flaming Cheetos part. And I'm not sure why. But either way, I'm going to tell you Richard Montagna's story. And by the way, the only thing that's in uh, uh, conflict right now is the the flavor part. Whether or not this flavor actually became uh, 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 flaming hot Cheetos. But anyway, here's the story. So Richard Montanez is a man. Uh, uh, he's a Hispanic man, right? He grew up very, very poor, very, very poor. He lived in a migrant camp. I mean, people who came over here uh, in in Southern California. He lived there with his wife who doesn't speak very much English, and he didn't have much of an education, right? You can imagine how you can imagine just just use your imagination, right? No education coming from another country, third world country, barely speaks the language. And he needs to make money. So he applies and gets a job at the Frito Lay factory, uh, you know, Frito Lay makes chips, Cheetos, and you know, all these kinds of things. And he gets a job in 1976 as a janitor. Which means, yes, he literally just cleaned and mopped floors. And one day, he hears a message from the CEO that's sent out to all of the employees. So everyone had to listen to it. And one part said, the CEO said to the employees, take ownership of the company as if it's your own. So, This is actually a good thing where Richard montanez wasn't educated because he didn't know what that meant and he didn't know what he was or wasn't supposed to do. He just took that saying to heart. And so he started thinking like, well, what if this company was mine? What would I do? What would I think? Then he, he shopped at all the Hispanic grocery stores, Hispanic liquor stores, things like that. And he starts looking around at the chip aisle and he realizes that, There are some chips that are from Mexico, right, with with Spanish on them. But when he sees the Frito-Lays brand, it's only regular chips. You know, Fritos-Lays potato chips. um, I forgot the Fritos themselves, right? All these kinds of just regular chips. But nothing specifically marketed to the Hispanic community. And so most of those potato chips just sat there while the stuff that did come from Mexico was being grabbed up all the time in Southern California by people walking in and out of those stores. So he thinks that might be an opportunity. So one day he finds a batch of unseasoned Cheetos before they got their normal cheesy flavoring that we all love. And he takes the batch home and starts to tinker with it as chili spices, just playing with all different combinations of spices and then he finds a flavor that he loves. He tested with his family, his friends, other members of the Hispanic community. And they all said they loved it also. So he didn't think linearly. One day at work, he decides, once he realized that everyone likes this flavor, one day at work, he gets on the company phone And he calls the CEO's office. A janitor calls the CEO's office and he says, Hello, this is Richard Montañez from the Rancho Cucamonga Factory. And I'd like to speak with the CEO about a new flavor idea. And the secretary actually thought he was the plant manager because who else would call the CEO's office directly? So without thinking about it, she says, okay, and she puts him through to the CEO at the time. And he tells them all about this new flavor, how great it is, how it's really touching the Hispanic community and how it really makes a lot of sense. And the CEO's like, who are you, right? Who, who are you? And he says, oh, I'm Richard montanez I'm the janitor, <laughs> you know? And he says, okay. And the CEO says, um, I'm going to go now. Let me get back to you. <laughs> And then so they hang up the phone and Richard Montana is not really sure what to think about this exchange. A little bit later in the day, the plant manager finds Richard. And he's very angry. He's very angry. Like, why are you calling the CEO? Don't you ever call the CEO? Your job is a janitor. You do not make contact with the executive team. Very, very mad. And then he tells him, by the way, You have a meeting with the executive staff at the headquarters, going to get a suit, bring your flavor, and they're going to put you on a plane to go there and meet with them and show them your new flavor. (laughs) Now, Richard doesn't have a suit, so he's got to find a really, really cheap one and find a really cheap tie, which I heard he bought for three bucks. Then he gets his stuff together, logs his flavor profiles, and flies out to the PepsiCo HQ and presents his flavor to the executive team and then he also talks about how they're not marketing to the hispanic community how the flavors in the stores don't match the ones that people are actually buying he sees all these other brands from mexico that people are buying and all the fritos lays brands or the fritos lays chips are the same as the ones you'd find anywhere else the ceo is so impressed with his tenacity that he begins to move him up through the ranks. He starts questioning him, starts asking about the Hispanic community. How do we market to them? How do we reach this community? And long story short, this man who was a janitor in 1976, started as a janitor, becomes PepsiCo's vice President of Multicultural Sales and Marketing. And he just retired in March of 2020. Had a great career with the company Pepsi. Now, the part that's up for debate is whether or not that flavor that Richard Montagnas presented became the Flaming Hot Cheetos brand or not. That was his claim. Maybe it was, maybe it's not. I don't know. Like maybe the execs didn't entirely like or understand the flavor he created, but they were so impressed by his tenacity that they decided we do need something for this group. And then they created the Flaming Hot Cheetos. I don't know. I don't think that part matters that much about the story, whether or not his actual flavor became the Flaming Hot Cheetos. What is important was that he was an exponential thinker. He didn't try to get promoted from the janitor, to, I don't know what's next, the janitor manager to maybe a floor worker, then put on the manufacturing line, then a manufacturing lead, then maybe the manufacturing shift manager, then maybe the manufacturing overall manager, then maybe the assistant plant manager, then finally, maybe he'd become a plant manager after 30 years of working his way up through this path. Sure, his career could have moved up very slowly. But that's not what he did. He took the exponential route. He leveraged his time. He leveraged his experience. And he went straight to the top, especially leveraging his knowledge of the Hispanic community. And became vice president of multicultural sales and marketing. If I had to guess, his boss, his old boss, who was the original plant manager who took the linear path probably stayed a plant manager until he either quit or retired. Not Richard Montanez. He took a risk. He leveraged. That's the power of exponential thinking. That's exponential thinking in practice. This is how you get leaps and bounds ahead. And this is how you step into your into your personal power. Remember, exponential thinking and doing things exponentially might may might mean that you make a little bit less money or have a little bit less of this thing at, and for one individual instance, but it compounds over time. For instance, maybe you're a franchise owner and if you own a franchise, you know that the employees, the overhead, stock, inventory, eats up 80 90 sometimes 95% of all the gross revenue that comes into the business and you get maybe 5%. But you can create two, you can own two, three, four, five, 10, 20, 30, 40 of the same franchise operation. And you takes about the same amount of time. And while all the other employees all the overhead takes up 90 to 95% of each individual location. You can have 40 of them and you're getting 200, 300, 400% on your time. You could also sell just one product to one customer and you can make money. That'd be great. But what if you could find a way to sell three, four, five products to the same customer, find new ways to sell the same product to a different group. exponential thinking. So think about that. How are you using your time, your energy, your knowledge, your money, your resources? Are you progressing linearly? Or are you progressing exponentially? If you choose the exponential route, it might be harder. It might be scarier. But it is the path that leads you to a life of freedom on your terms. Thank you so much for listening today. If you haven't done so yet, open up your podcast app and please really appreciate if you would leave a rating and a review. Really love to read them all. And we'll be back next week with an all new episode. Take care.